this study we're about to do this month. I, I do sermons in groups of four or five or by month. I lay them out by quarters, by the year. And so I'll be announcing our theme for next year. You know, every year I try to answer one question because I want to make sure you remember it. You can't say, I don't know what he's talking about because he, doesn't, he, doesn't talk, he talks about one thing. The question this year is, repeat it with me, please say, why don't people, why don't people do, do what they say they're going to do? That's the question for the year. And every month I answer that, sometimes because they're stuck, sometimes because they, they are, they are wait, they're waiting on God and God is waiting on them. And I went through a whole list of things, and you can look it up in all our sermons online. They're free. I hope you have the app, the Overcoming by Faith Ministries app. That is absolutely a must because the Overcoming by Faith Ministries app has it all in one place. And, um, and it's in other places, too. RickyTemple.com is there. It's at OvercomingByFaith.org. It, we just have it in different places so you can access it. But one of the things that I believe happens when you think one thought, you fix at least one thing in your life. And if I can get you to fix 12 things a year, I've done pretty good. And so that's my goal. And so I want to conclude the, the series with the answer to the question, why people don't do what they say they're going to do is because they don't know where they are. You really don't know where you are. I don't know if you've ever been lost or not, but I have been. Let's see, confess. How many of you have been lost before? Yeah. Um, I'm getting, I have to fly it. Uh, Dallas is one of the cities I tend to get lost in. Um, for some reason, me and the airport aren't friends. And I find myself, every time I'm in Dallas, uh, one time I got so lost, um, let's not talk about it. But, <laughs> and I, you know, I saw, you know, it's amazing. I thought, it's right over there. But I, want, I, saw, I, I put on the navigation shortcut, right? Bad decision. I'll go the way you know. How about an amen to that one, right? But I was going to be fancy that morning, and I was fancy, even though I left early enough to be late, which was good. But I was about an hour late. But I left early. Uh-huh, no more. I was late, late. But I was early enough to be late. So it didn't matter. I did catch my plane. I made it out. But I, I realized that there are times in life when you don't know where you are. And you need people in your life to help remind you, show you. That's why you need relationships. My tendency, if I'm not careful, and I dealt with this in myself recently, I can, be, I can get isolated if I'm not careful. Uh, in the effort for the staff to help protect me and not make me too tired or whatever, they, they're trying to help the brother hold my arms and all. If I'm not careful, um, I'll get isolated away from reality, and I won't know. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, if you're not careful, you know, dads get like that. They're isolated away from the dishes and the dirty clothes. <laughs> Some you say, I want to stay isolated, right? But you can get distant from your children, distant from your spouse. My wife and I had a conversation, and she politely let me know, you're getting distant a little bit, dude, just a little bit. You, you know, you're getting caught up in your work and whatever you're doing with God. And I thought, okay, I'll think about that. And I see it in myself. Our church can get isolated. That's why I, I don't serve on a lot of boards, but I force myself to serve on at least one or two that are in the community that have nothing to do with our church. I force myself to be in relationships uh, with other groups and denominations because I know what can happen. I just did it this week. There's something about forcing yourself out of your cocoon and, and not just being isolated. 
Because here's what you think. You think you look good, but you don't. Give you a story. I, was, uh, I had a certain look, and Lovelace is in here someplace. And I won't say what it was, but Lovelace looked at me and said, you, you, need, to, you need to cut that off. I won't say what it was. Um, well, because some of you may have it, so if I say it, then you're going to feel bad, so I ain't going to say it. But he, he was right. And I went in the house and fixed it up and cut it off, and it was like, okay, that looks better. And I didn't know where I was. I didn't know how I looked. Vide being on video all the time is a fascinating experience because you don't realize how dated you can look. Those clothes are old. That look is old. You, there's a moment, if you're not careful, you become totally out of touch, and that's what happens in this Genesis story. There's this question that God asked ask Adam and Eve, where are you? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Where are you? You will never do what you say you're going to do if you're not clear about your location. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some, took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Verse 8. Then, excuse me, excuse me, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid themselves, hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and he said, what did he say? Where are you? Excuse me. He answered, I've heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I've commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me. Come on, say amen to that one. Come on. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm already preaching good, I can tell. <clears throat> the woman you gave me. Mm. She gave me some fruit from the tree. And I ate it. There are five sermons in this month that we will cover. Repeat them with me, please. Say, are you hiding? Are you, hiding? Are you, naked? Are you naked? Are you blaming others? Are you, blaming others? Are you fixable? Are you starting over? These people failed. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when they failed, the first thing they did was hid. I must admit, I am guilty of doing this. Nobody wants to showcase their failure. But what was interesting was <clears throat> once they hid, the reason they hid was because they were naked. Now, we won't talk about that much in church. But that is a powerful experience. There is uh, nothing hidden. All of your pretend is gone. The truth is in sight. 
And we'll talk about that next week. But what's interesting, too, is they blamed each other. Nobody took blame. Nobody said, I did this. Adam blamed Eve. Eve looked at the serpent. The serpent had nowhere to go. And then the big question becomes, how do we fix this? How do we fix, how do we turn this around? What can we do to make this better? What is it that we can do? And you get that place, that place in your life sometimes. When you look at where you are financially, when you look at where you are emotionally, when you look at where your marriage is or where you are, can I fix this is the question. And if you're not careful, you don't have a solution for fixing it. You, you just really don't. You don't know what to do about it. I see this a lot when people lose a loved one. I've had some tragic losses I've had to help people walk through recently, both in my family and outside. And there is a question, man, what do we do with this pain? Is this fixable? Will I ever get over it? And then the bigger question that we're going to deal with at the end of the year is, are you starting over? And if you are, what's the new plan? Each sermon will help you think about where you are. And each sermon will help you look forward. And I'm telling you, that is important. Because what happens to all of us, including me, is you get stuck. You get stuck in an emotional place, and you're not sure what to do with it. You're not sure how to fix it, turn it, adjust it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You just get stuck there. Well, let me take you down the road here. And I want to show you what I call the temptation to, to hide. And I want to show you three things about their hiding that I think was fascinating. We read the story when God asked them, where were they? And there were three things that came with hiding in this story. Repeat them with me, please. Say, new vision, new reasons, and new consequences. When you hide, normally it's because you see something that you didn't see before. They ate the fruit, right? And the compromising event changed the way they saw the world and themselves. One of the things that happens to you when you compromise is your vision changes. You don't look the same to you when you look in the mirror. A bankruptcy does something to you. It does something to you to explain to your children, to yourself, your view of yourself is damaged. I really believe that when you go through a physical event, a major physical event, I worked in a hospital for a brief time, and there's nothing like walking into a hospital, transporting somebody. That's what I was, a transporter during college. And it's amazing how you walk in. It was Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. And we'd walk in and say, hey, I'm Ricky Temple here to take you down x-ray today. And, you know, they'd cover up, but you can't cover much up because everything is open back here. And I remember I had to, my vision changed when I worked in a hospital because I had to see naked people all the time. And I thought that was a sin for me. Hallelujah. Saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. So I would end up closing my eyes. You end up dropping somebody if you're not careful. So you had to open your eyes. You had to look and see what you saw. And what you saw is what you saw. Young, old, didn't matter. And somehow in your mind, your vision changed. There are moments in life when something happens and everything around you changes. The one thing I strive to do is not do things 
that make me look down on myself, to willfully put myself. I always tell people this. <laughs> the enemy doesn't care what you do, who you sleep with. The goal is to change your view of you. When you look in the mirror, there's shame and guilt. When you drive down that street, you're apologizing. So the goal is to stop sowing those seeds so you won't have that kind of vision. I want to look in the mirror and say, I like Ricky. What's your name? This is a drill. You can pass this one, I promise. What's your name? One more time. Say me your name, please. When you look in the mirror, you should like who? That's the key. Not the church people, not your family, not your kids, you. It's about liking you. A lot of women wonder why men leave because they don't like what they see. They don't feel in this place like I am successful. I'm not blaming you for that. I'm simply saying men fight this off all the time. Well, women do too. I understand that. You have your own fights. And one of the things that's hard, it's hard to look in the mirror and see, I don't have enough money. I don't, I don't know what to do with my emotions. I, I feel like a failure. Or if you've been to prison, where were you the last three years? I haven't seen you. Or you don't want to tell them I was locked down for doing A, B, C, and D, any and F that they didn't find out about. GH and I, too. I got more than I could tell you. I did. But there's a shame that comes with that. Has your vision of yourself changed? Is that where you are? Where are you? Second thing that happens is you have new reasons. Hiding was a new thing for them. They'd never hid before. There are times in life when you hide, but these were new people, new hiders. They never had a reason to hide. And that's a new moment for them. So they have a new view of themselves. They see themselves as naked. That's new. Now they have new reasons. Then thirdly, new consequences. Hiding led to a confrontation with God about the decision to compromise. I love this part of the story because it brought me to a word that God gave me today. When you deal with your children, as an adult, there are moments in life when, as you deal with them, there are moments of conversation, disagreements, all that's part of the family life. I looked at this story and it came to me. Deal with them the way I dealt with Adam and Eve. Go to them, love them, hang with them, but tell them the truth. Can I get an amen to that? It was a powerful moment. Where are you, Adam? Notice, he takes the initiative. Stop waiting for your kids to come to you. They may not come. They may be hiding. And when he goes to them, it's not in a mean spirit. He's not yelling. He's not saying who he is. He's not flashing his credentials. He simply goes to them and says, let's face the truth and the consequences for your decision." And let me do what I can. I love the fact that he, he states the problem, but shows them a path to healing. A lot of times, if we're not careful as parents of adult children, or children, period, is you, you talk about consequences and you warn them, but you're not with them. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you should fear no evil because you know as your daddy and your mama, I'm going to be with you. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. Now, I believe all of us hide. And I wanted to list four places that I think we tend to hide. And the first one is work. Can you say work? work? How much time are you working? Is that an excuse place for you? 
Is that where you are in your life? You're hiding behind overtime. I know you need money. I understand you got to work. You're hiding behind multiple jobs. You're hiding at work. Work is where you hide. Pastors do it all the time. They hide in the ministry. They hide behind sermons and travel, spreading the word, the kingdom. I know many pastors who are divorced because of their work in the church. I've counseled many pastors' wives who said he got to choose between me or the church. They don't mean God, me and the church. You're there all the time, seven days a week. You can never take off. You work. You got to preach Wednesday night. You got to do Tuesday night prayer. You got to do. You have to come Friday evangelistic service, and you got to do Saturday and Sunday. It's ridiculous. You're never free. Some of you work too much, and what's sad is you're still broke. And if you do have money, you're scared to spend it because you're scared of being broke. You can't, you cannot, I love this book. You can buy it. It's a wonderful book. It's called Dying for a Paycheck. Look it up. I think in Pfeiffer. That thing is powerful. Buy, I think every boss should read it. Because you create an environment where everybody around you is dying. As the church grows, our church is around 2,500 uh, active members, probably have another 1,000 to show up around here, plus y'all online. It's a bunch of people. We come in small groups, we're here. And what can happen is you just create so much activity, nobody gets a chance to be home. People look at me and think something's wrong with me because our schedules change. First Sunday, 9 and 11. Second Sunday, what time of services? And then third Sunday is what? Special event Sunday. They got a lot of them they're going to plan for you next year. So out of 12 of those, we may plan 10, 9, take 9 this year. You have an all-men service, have an all-young adult service, have a couple of those. It's a whole, a whole bunch of different things we do. And, and then on fourth Sunday, this is what's scary, it's Sabbath Sunday. Everybody home, watching online. Everything is pre-taped and laid out for you. It's wonderful. How many watch fourth Sunday? Raise your hand. Thank you. Now, see, where's the pastor? Home. Where are his feet? Up. Is he coming out? No. What's wrong with this? Nothing. Why do I like it? Because I want to last a long time. This is a long distance run. We have a long way to go. A lot of souls to win. Come on, are you hearing me? We have a lot of people to win to Jesus. And here's what Jesus didn't say. He told me to go into all the world, but not by myself. I'm not alone. Are you in the fight with me? Yes. Come on, are you in the fight with me? Yes. One more time, are you in the fight with me? Yes. That sounds like an army that's almost with me. Are you really with me? Yes. Come on, amen. Sidebar, I'm going to jump back on, I promise. One of the traps in anything you do is you think about the moment. I have a new saying. I'm not raising an offering. I'm raising givers. I'm raising warriors. I'm raising people that want to fight, people that want to sign up to get involved. If you start raising an offering, you think about today. If you're trying to raise the bill money, you think about today. You don't need to do that. You need to raise up a family that's committed to entrepreneurship. You need to raise up a spirit in the world around you, a fire and passion for the world. You need to raise up people who have passion. When you do that, it's more than just today. It's not just now. There's something about having in your mind a clear idea. Work is good. Work is wonderful. But I can't live and die for just work. I have to have something that's scary to say called balance. And it's always hard. I fight it every day. Covenant conflicts. I got this I have to do, and I have to do that too. I got to exercise, but I got to sleep. What's going to win? Sleep. <laughs> exercise when I wake up. But there's something I have to be committed to. 
eating right, but I'm so hungry, and you know, all I got these chips right about now. Okay, chips, this is the last bag. That's it. No more for the week now. I got to eat something. I don't want to crash on this road. I'm driving. So I find ways to balance my life. Not too much work, but enough work. Some of you, the problem is you don't work enough. You're praying for miracle blessings, and you're not willing to work hard. You're asking God to drop blessings on you, but here's a careful word. I say it in love. We're too lazy to be that blessed. There are things about my job that are very demanding. There's an academic side to it that's very demanding. There's a study side that's very demanding. There's, a, there's an organizational side that's very demanding. Administrative side. I can go on and on and on. This week we're, we had meetings with our, for our staff regarding their um, uh, health care. And we're changing health care providers because the health care provider we're providing is moving out of group care. And I, I'm sitting there reading all these documents. I'm going with our, with our you know, the company, company that handles that for us. And I thought, I just signed up to pray and read the word. All I want to do is talk about Jesus. I don't want to talk about deductibles and, and all this other stuff. I, I really don't want to. And then they write so small, you got to get real close. But when we met with the staff and we went over the benefit package and the changes, and it's really a Cadillac plan. You guys are real generous to them. They get full coverage. Oh, I'm talking too much, but I'm going to say it anyway. You, you cover them 100%. They don't pay for their health care. They, they, they pay for 50% of their families. Can I say amen, somebody? And they get short-term and long-term disability and some more things. I'm not going to say 401k, matching funds up to 4%. You guys are generous. Can you give an amen to somebody? Can you say amen? You are. Now, here's the point. That's work. That's work. We have to work. We have to understand the power of that. But we cannot hide in work. Secondly, we hide in church. How, long, how often are you here? Some of you say, some of you say, well, you know, not too much. Okay, we're going to pray for you now. Come on a little more. But I don't really mean that in the sense that it's all in the building. I think it's, it's a mix. For some of you that are watching from home, you've never been here. Some of you are way away and you can't get here. I'm not, but I want, I want to just focus for a minute on how easy it is to hide in church. And I've already talked about this a lot already. But I try not to do that. This is not a place to just hide. It's a place to come and be rejuvenated and go out and touch the world. Thirdly, people hire and hide in family. Family can become an excuse. You're hiding behind your children. You're not expanding your own life. Here's the truth. They're leaving you. At some point, it's going to be you and you and you. Say me, me. And, me. And, me. and me and me. It's true. Ask somebody that's older. Grandkids, get busy. Kids, get gone. And it's you by yourself. They only come on Thanksgiving and Christmas to eat up all your food and leave and go back. Then they call every now and then. They don't call you every day. You know what I'm telling you. They don't call you every day. I'm not putting them. My kids, my kids are wonderful. I love them both. But I'm just saying, I realize that I need to have a life for me. And I can't just hide, hide behind family. I have to step in front of the mirror and say, what do you want for your life? What is your dream for you? Love them, help them, engage them, do all you can. But you, have a, you need a life for yourself. And there comes a moment, if you're not careful, you're hiding. Fourth place you can hide. This is a common one. Love life. You're always looking for somebody. Your life is about smooching, hooking up, and touching somebody. 
And that's, that's, I mean, there's some good, good moments in that now. We can pause and think about that for a second. There's some good moments in that. What do you mean by that? Use your imagination. But I'm saying that you cannot hide there. You, 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 you dreamed of this person. You saw them from afar. Luther Vandross music was in the background. You met them, fell in love, almost married them, whatever. Then that died. Then you met this other person, same thing. And so what happens in life is you learn love is a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift. But as much as I love Diane, and I mean this sincerely, I have learned I can't hide behind her. Pornography makes you think you can hide here. You can't hide there. They're faking all of them lying. They're actors and actresses. You don't know that? They are people who are not, um, well, let's start again, Pastor Rick. Um, <laughs> now starting from what I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to get off that all together. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to drop that whole subject. I'm going to move over here now. That's just bad over there. Can't fix it. Let that go. Let that go. So here's my point. <laughs> you just hide it. You know, you hide it. You know, I see people get all dressed up and sexy looking. It's nice to look sexy. It's nice to look. I try to look. I try to look. You know, I do. I mean, I, 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 I kind of don't, don't, don't fake and come with me today because some of you know you're going to come and say something fake today. Okay. But, you know, I've been a place or two lately. Oh, you look so handsome. I said, okay, praise God. You know, thank you. You know, you want to, you know, you want to just kind of give them another look again. You want to look again and get another glance of God's work at work. Yes, he's working. You know. Now, normally what I'll get, I'm 65, and they'll say, oh, you don't look your age. You know, I go, yeah, of course I don't. Praise the Lord. You know, you, you feel good about that. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I'm going to tell you something. You can't hide behind all that. You can't. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you. I'm, don't raise your hand. Don't even comment. Just look straight ahead. Have you ever? Don't answer this. I did tell you to answer it, right? I'm almost finished. You ever met with somebody that was so sexy, so oh, 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 oh. They were oh, oh, oh. And then you got them. And you went, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you ever did that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, that wasn't your hair for real. Oh, whoa. Woo, wow. You don't take baths every day. Okay. You are sloppy and junky and expensive. My God, and mean as a snake. I mean, you know, whoa, whoa. Okay, watch this. Anybody say whoa before? You can say whoa. Some of you scared. Don't comment. I just said that. That's a setup. That's a setup. You're right. Thank you. I, I got off. I, thank you for bringing me back. No, Pastor, you promised we wouldn't have to comment on this. That's right. <laughs> okay, I'll put it on me. Pastor Rick, have you ever said whoa, whoa? Yeah. Both hands and both feet. How about since you've been married? Oh, yeah. Diane said, whoa, too. <laughs> Believe it or not, some of my personality dynamics and some of the, she said, you like a hermit. You just get in a room by yourself. You just cut all lights off. And you knit it by yourself in the dark. And the mold going to grow on you. Boy, get out the room. Cut the lights on. Oh, and she said, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, there are a lot of whoa moments in both our, in our relationship. You can't be married for 43 years and don't have any woes. It's a bunch of wows, too. Woes and wows. Some of you right in the middle of it right now. Wow. I just helped your marriage, didn't I? I helped you. Some of you. 
Three closing questions, and we're done for the day. Do you hear God calling you and asking, where are you today? Do you hear him? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you at? You think about it, you know, they knew where they were. We're naked and we're hiding. Are you intentionally hiding from God? That's why you don't come to church. That's why you don't fellowship with people. That's why you lock out all the people in your life who will give you good spiritual counsel because you don't want anybody to tell you anything. You're hiding. Last question. You ready? <laughs> is God calling your name today? If he is, and you want me to pray for you, stand on your feet. God's calling your name. It's up to you. He's calling you. He wants to pray for you today. Pray for you. I can stand. I've been calling me. Faith. Fear tried to jump on me the other day. I will not accept that. What I want to do in the future is expensive. It's going to cost millions of dollars to do it, but I can't be afraid of that. I some entrepreneurial plans and ideas. I need another million. I've got things I want to do. And I felt a little bit of fear. I told God, God, look what's trying to jump on me. I rebuke it. Now everybody stand. Everybody get up on you. You've been in church an hour and 10 minutes. Pretty good. And in that hour and 10 minutes, we prayed, worshiped, sang, both here and online, with all of you watching, Katia, all of you that are watching right now. We are engaging you to think about where you are. So, Father, we lift up before you all who are gathered here today. We're about to take communion because we remember you died on the cross to set us free, to help us always see where we are. And so we come to you believing that you make the difference in our lives. We stand acknowledging we want you to see us in our nakedness, in our flaws, in our failures. And Father, we'll talk more next week about how we tend to cover up our nakedness, what we do to hide the things that shame us. And we'll see how you want to deal with us and how you came to clothe us you came to fill up those gaps. You didn't want to leave us where we've been. Our mistakes don't define us, nor do they determine our future. You're bigger than our mistakes. You're bigger than our flaws. None of our mistakes surprise you. So today we come thanking you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus, you've never prayed this prayer. Before we take communion, I want to pray for you. If you'd say, Pastor Rick, I realize that I need Jesus in my life. What you said to me, makes sense. I want, to, I, want to, I want you to just pray with me and let this be the beginning of a new walk with God. You may be coming back to God. You may have never given your life to God. I'm not sure where you are. But with every head bowed for your privacy, if you want me to pray for you in your walk with God, raise your hand. Say, yeah, pray for me, Pastor Rick. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see more. Do I see more hands? I see you, sir. Thank you. I see more. I'm sure several of you at home, I see you again. I've, if you're home, the same thing applies. You join me in this prayer. Father, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for Jesus dying on the cross and giving me this opportunity to start my life again. I ask your blessing and I pray your grace upon this, your people. May the hand of God be strong and present in our lives. Jesus died to set us free and we accept his forgiveness and we believe that this is a new day of beginning for us. 
in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen.